You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. On BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Welcome to BetQL Daily. Presented by BetMGM, Joe Ostrowski, Eddie Gross, Aaron Hawksworth with you. It's time for Let's Be Sharper. Uh, Before we get to that, I did want to tell you, Ed, yesterday on Crosstalk with the Daily Tip, the Donkster asked if he could also be a professor at Pepperdine. And I told the Donkster that you might have a big problem with that. (laughs) Um, that would be underselling it. Yes, that would be underselling it because, uh, then I would have to call the donkster a colleague and that just doesn't sit well with me. Plus he'd have to move across country. Like he's in DC, right? So then he'd have to go to Malibu. I mean, I don't know how you move a donkey. I've never tried it, but I got to think it isn't easy. Agreed. There's a lot of problems there. Oh man. Okay. So it's not... It wasn't a donkey, but do you remember that terrible show, Unhappily Ever After, that would air on the WB, which was a knockoff of Married with Children? And the guy had, he would talk to the dog. Um, oh, was, yeah. That comedian oh. Bobcat was the voice. What? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you don't, don't want to know. You don't want to know. So I'm just imagining that. I'm just imagining the dumpster. Like, that's Jenks. If he has it, right. if he's not happy with his, mar- his married life and he's talking to the donkey in the basement. <laughs> like the lights go down, everyone's asleep. And he's like, hey, donkster, can I talk? Yeah. Mr. Floppy. That was, that was the. Uh, That's the right. Wow. What a, what a director's cut that was. I haven't Ooh. thought about that show since it went off the air. Who was the? I mean, somebody the put that? that on television. Somebody put that on television. <laughs> oh, the, well, Kevin Connolly was the son. Nikki Cox. Yeah, that's daughter. right. Okay. Her, yeah. Yeah. She, she had a good career. So did Kevin Connolly. Yeah, that's true. All of them did. Anyway. All right, so Ed is here to help us be sharper. Let's be a sharper. And he's going to put some context to NFL penalties, Ed. No animals were harmed or spoken to uh, in the making of this segment. So whenever we look at penalties here, I think one of the things that we tend to do is just look at yards or how many infractions have occurred, things like that. And if you do that, then, okay, maybe you're discounting the Ravens and Broncos and Cardinals, and they're the usual suspects, and that's fine. But I think there's a more accurate way for determining who is committing penalties in, say, high leverage situations when you actually have to play sound football because of a play that could determine the outcome of a contest 
who can you rely upon and who can't you rely upon? And one of the stats that I cite frequently on BetQL Daily is expected points, EP, EPA, a lot of variations to it. And what it does is it puts context to plays. And so a false start on first and 10 is not going to be as severe as, say, a false start on third and inches. First and 15, yeah, you're getting set back, but you can still move the chains. Whereas third and five, third and six, much, much tougher, much higher leverage of a situation than, say, third and inches. So through two games, what I did was I looked at expected points lost by penalty. And here are the five teams that have lost the most expected points because of penalties that they have committed. Number one, we've got the Denver Broncos at minus 28.7 expected points. Sounds like a lot, and in a way, it is a lot. It is a problem over there in Denver. Then you get to the Cardinals at minus 19.8. Then things sort of level off a little bit. Ravens at minus 19.3. Then the Chargers. Mm -hmm. Then the Titans. So Broncos, Cardinals, Ravens, Chargers, Titans – these are the five teams that are shooting themselves in the foot most often in high leverage situations because of penalties. Now let's look at the other end of the spectrum, the teams that are playing the most disciplined football, the soundest football when it comes to losing the fewest expected points based upon penalty. Well, at number one, we've got the Buffalo Bills at minus 1.6. It's not just that Sean McDermott's a great head coach, but he's getting a lot of great players who know how to play sound football. So that's really, really helpful there. Then the Green Bay Packers of all teams, they play sound football. We mentioned last week that maybe they uh, call a lot of timeouts in bad spots. Well, they make up for it with the fewest penalties or you know, fewer penalties than most everyone in key spots. Then we have the Patriots. You would expect that from a Mm. Bill Belichick coach team for sure. Then we have the Jets at minus 6.9. So that's a big deal whenever we're evaluating what Zach Wilson and company can do. At least they're not putting themselves in bad spots most of the time. And then at number five, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars at minus 7.2. So in terms of fewest expected points lost by penalty, we've got the Bills, Packers, Patriots, Jets, and Jaguars. And guys, one more note to think about. You can look at expected points as one way to put these things in context, but another way to do it is by looking at win probability lost. And to me, this is really important because I think it shows the contrast between the Denver Broncos and just about everyone else when it comes to committing these infractions. And if you do that, look at win probability loss based upon penalty, part of it is very much if you're playing close games, then that win probability is going to be a little bit more exaggerated. But look, these things matter. Context matters. If you have a team that's going to play a lot of close games and they're committing penalties, well, win probability is going to be a great way to see that. Number one, it's the Denver Broncos at minus 79%. Then it's the Chargers at minus 72%. And then rounding out the top five, you've got the Cardinals, the Ravens, and the Chiefs. So in terms of big takeaways here, You see the Broncos at the top of this list. That matters a great deal because even though maybe some of us have high hopes for Denver that they can bounce back from this rough start because of Sean Payton or maybe the backup quarterback or the wide receivers, whatever it is, if they continue to commit all of these penalties and say you look at a game where you think the number is sharp, like maybe this one on Sunday, for instance, 
keep in mind all of those penalties that they're committing in high leverage situations. And maybe that's a good time to fade specifically the Broncos. And on the other hand, the Buffalo Bills, we've talked about this before. This might be a great buy low spot for them. Will you look at all the penalties that they're not committing, how disciplined they are playing the game? Maybe that's a reason to back the Buffalo Bills in key spots, Joe. I have a lot of questions. First off, sure. um, we, you'll see a lot of places referenced penalty yards, number of penalties. Do you completely ignore all of that? I don't ignore it, but I think the context matters a great deal because if, say, your false starts are on first and 10 all of the time, they might add up after a while or holding plays, things like that. Like sometimes, you know, they happen at not, not the best of situations, but they could be a lot worse. It's not necessarily com- uh, converting a third and short, and then there's a hold, and then you're, you're pushed back. So the yards and count, they matter, but I think context matters even more. We always hear penalties as coaching. They get the blame more than players a lot of the time. A lot of people doing this long time. Oh, penalties coaching. Undisciplined team. You're an undisciplined team. And then he started ranting about it, right? Well, here's what I see in the top five on the poor end. I see Sean Payton. I see John Harbaugh. I see Mike Vrabel. Three guys that I would say are viewed by most as top five NFL coaches. And there are a lot of people that refuse to give LaFleur credit for what happens in the positive end with Green Bay, whether it was before with because it's Aaron Rodgers or even now they could, they find reasons to criticize him. And like you said, not, not a big surprise with Belichick, but I find that interesting that people say it's coaching. I don't know that it's coaching. Maybe it's more on assistant coaching, but some of the top coaches are in there early on. And I, uh, so small sample size, that's part of it. What is a big number? Once we get a larger sample size, is it going to be much smaller than what we're seeing now with the, with the EPA loss and, and win probability loss with Denver? There's going to be some variance, but I think specifically when it comes to the Broncos, I get that Sean Payton, he's in his first year there, but it's not yeah. like Denver played disciplined football last year either they were pretty far down this list at last check. So the fact that this has persisted, I think actually goes to your point, Joe, that it runs counter to coaching, right? Like you get who you get, you inherit who you inherit, and you can only coach them up so much. And so Mm -hmm. if the talent there with the Broncos, if they were already committing so many penalties, maybe that just continues to this point until Sean Payton has the players he wants who will not be committing so many infractions. That makes a lot of sense. I was wondering how much of it is personnel. And, like, Mm -hmm. I hate this for John Harbaugh and the Ravens. Did not love hearing that they are on the wrong (laughs) side of this. Um, But, you know, maybe it is more about, like, some new pieces there. I do have confidence that if there is a coach on that side who has a lot of penalties that John Harbaugh – He's a very disciplined type coach. That's, I think it really surprised me, but I could see as the season going on, they clean it up. And then on the other side, you know, having Belichick, Robert Sala, Doug Peterson. Um, yeah, it's not as surprising. And as uh, Joe mentioned, kudos to Matt LaFleur. Maybe we need to be giving him more credit. 
Absolutely. And again, you're dealing with a small sample size here. This is something that I will be looking at all season long. And so if you're looking at, say, three, four, and five there, I, I wouldn't think too much of it. It may just be a rough start, but it might be something that persists. It's just something to keep an eye on. But I think the Denver thing was probably my biggest takeaway because that margin between first and second that's where things get a little stickier for me. And the fact that they already have a bad reputation, regardless of who's coaching now, that's why when we were talking about Denver-Miami, that we think it's a sharp number, that's one of the big reasons why I'm on the Dolphins, just because I think those penalties are too tough to overcome. And I think they will probably commit them in bad spots to where the Dolphins can cover the number. Yep, so could be. There you go. Check out those penalties. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Ian McMillan joins the show with all of his favorite NFL plays for week three. That's right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back.